Good morning. Hey, just survived the night? Yeah, it was windy out there, wasn't it? Yeah, very good. Well, hey, we're glad you're here worshiping with us. Feels like the world's coming back at normal. Christmas break is over. Kids are going back to school. Speaking of kids, kids, you can be dismissed to Children's Church. Run away. Enjoy it. And while the kids are leaving, I'm going to say, let's just start with the family feud, shall we? Let's go to the feud. Yeah. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Is that the weirdest thing you've ever seen? Is that how it works? I don't understand. I don't understand how it works. Um, I love the way, I don't know if you caught it, the guy from Pentatonix was over there like clapping along like, what is happening right now? You know what I mean? Like, how does this Holy Spirit thing even work, right? Is it like Clark Kent turning into Superman once the Holy Spirit comes on him? Or, or you call out Shazam and it, and it descends upon you and you, there's people nodding. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> um, what do you think of when you hear the word Holy Spirit? When I say Holy Spirit, what comes to your mind? Or, or even stranger to me is Holy Ghost. How many people call it the Holy Ghost? I don't know why. The Holy Ghost is just a little, little stranger, a little weird to me. We don't like to talk about the Holy Ghost. We don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit. But we treat the Holy Spirit like that weird uncle in your family that nobody talks about. You know what I'm talking about? Weird Uncle Steve. Pretty sure in my family, I'm weird Uncle Steve, if you know what I mean. Uh, but we just, we don't talk about it that much. I, some of my Pentecostal friends, so I got any Pentecostal friends or recovering Pentecostals or soon-to-be Pentecostals. Um, if, if you're a Pentecostal, you grew up with the Spirit, right? And, and to the rest of us, we all saw you, but we were confused. We, we didn't understand. People were jumping around and falling down and speaking in tongues. Should have bought a Honda, but about a Kia. Should have bought a Honda, but about a Kia. We don't know what you're saying. We're, we're confused by that, right? The Baptists were afraid. The Baptists were very afraid in those moments. But the thing about it is, is it feels like it's a pendulum, Right? Some people will overemphasize the Holy Spirit, where you aren't really a believer unless you've been slayed in the Spirit, or, or if, you, have, if you, you need to experience the Spirit before you're saved. Now, I'm a Bapticostal by birth. I didn't know that was a term until my friend Ian Bender told me that's a term. I can be a Bapticostal. Uh, my dad grew up in a Pentecostal church. My mom was a Baptist. When they got married, my dad's family didn't really believe my mom was saved because she hadn't spoken in tongues yet. And so she was, a, she was a good Baptist girl. She didn't use makeup or play cards, but she, you know, but she was a good Baptist girl. The funny thing about it is, is the pendulum swings both ways. And the pendulum can swing uh, uh, the other way for us Baptists. And I think many times we underemphasize the role of the Spirit. We, we, the work of the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit, we don't emphasize it enough. I mean, without the Holy Spirit, the church is just a club. Without the Holy Spirit, worship is just a concert. Without the Holy Spirit, a, a, a sermon is a TED Talk, really. Without the Holy Spirit, ministry is just charity and preachers are just motivational speakers and for me, this is just a job. I just punch a clock and, and, and get a paycheck. But with the Holy Spirit, this is a calling for me. I have to do this. 
with the Holy Spirit, every lyric that's sung is, is an offering to God. And, and when I speak God's truth out of his word, you receive it as having power because it came from the Holy Spirit. The difference is the Holy Spirit. In many Christian circles, we've neglected or forgotten or just flat out misunderstood this Holy Spirit, the one given to the body of Christ to unite us. And so often the reason it's so weird for us now is our Christianity has got so rigidly programmed that we know exactly what's going to happen and when. And we don't even need the Spirit anymore. But, but Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing, right? And so this quote really hit me this week. Uh, A.W. Tozer, who was a pastor from a generation gone by, said it this way. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would have known the difference. And I believe that to be true. Um, The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that we're leaning into, this year we are launching into a new uh, emphasis and it's called Alive in Us. We're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit and what it has in our lives and in the church's life all year long. And so I'm going to launch into it today and give you sort of an overview and a beginning on it, but we're going to be talking about it all year long. The Spirit of God is mentioned in Scripture over 800 times, 800 times. But the funny thing about it is, is uh, even as I was talking to Dane and we were getting ready to prepare this stuff, I, I said, hey, are we ready for this year? And he said, yeah. He goes, but Steve, there aren't that many songs about the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, that's weird. There aren't that many songs about the Holy Spirit. We don't preach very much about the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit that often. Like we pray to God the Father. How many people pray when you pray, you talk to God the Father, you say, Father, God, Lord, Father, Father, Lord, Lord, Father. How many people know, have you ever had somebody pray like that and they just over and over, Lord, Lord, Father, Lord, Lord, Father, Lord. If you said that to me while we were having a conversation, I'd be, Steve, Steve, let me tell you Steve, I gotta tell you Steve, Steve, Steve. I would be like, knock it off, fella, I'm right here, right? But we can understand God the Father, right? I've got a father, I am a father. I understand that, I understand that relationship, right? We preach about Jesus, Jesus the Son, right? The Redeemer, the the Savior, the Teacher, the Healer. Jesus is the guy in the paintings, right? My favorite painting of Jesus is this one by a little girl. It's called the Prince of Peace, and I just have a vision of who Jesus is because of that, right? And then Jesus was in the movies. Anybody remember when Jesus was in the movies, The Passion of Christ? Jim Caviezel was was Jesus, and we all sort of watched it and went, and now Jesus is streaming live on the internet, right? There's Jesus live on the internet. We've got this idea of what Jesus was like as he walked and he talked and he did all these things, right, around people. But then there's the spirit. What is it, right? It's not an it. It's not a thing, The Holy Spirit is a person. The Spirit of God is mentioned in the very second verse of the Bible. Let's take a look at it. If you've got your notes, follow along with me. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this. It's the very beginning of the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was what? It was formless and empty. And what else? Darkness covered the deep waters. Man, that is a weird visual of nothingness. And the, who? The Spirit of God was right there, hovering over the surface of the waters. Now the word 
that's translated as spirit, in the Old Testament, that word is ruach. Everybody say ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. Ruach. There you go. That's the Old Testament word for the spirit. It's a violent exhaling, not a normal breath, but a blast of breath, and the Holy Spirit comes with power. In, in the New Testament, the word uh, translated as spirit is pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Pneuma, that's the Greek word, pneuma. And again, it is this current of air, a blast of breath. It's not just a little bit of air, it's a blast of air. I was out walking on my way to church this morning, and if you, everybody got trees down? Yeah, as I was walking, there's limbs down everywhere, there's roof shingles all on the sidewalks as I'm walking. We see the power of the wind, right? When it's a blast of wind. That's the kind of power we're talking about here. In the Old Testament, this spirit of God would descend upon people. And uh, like the first example I can think of is Joseph was filled with the spirit of God and he was able to interpret some dreams. But in the Old Testament, it would descend upon people, but it would also depart from people. In, in the Old Testament, we saw that Saul, King Saul, had the spirit of God and then it departed from him and he no longer had the spirit of God. When David was king, and then he, he had the spirit of God, but then he, he sinned against God and with Bathsheba, and you can hear in Psalm 51 where he pleads with God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't remove your spirit from me. But in the New Testament, after Jesus has ascended back to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to those who were believers in Christ and he promised he will never leave us and never forsake us. The Spirit has been given to us and isn't taken away. So let's get into that this morning. We're going to talk about this Spirit of God and give you an overview and jump into it. So if you've got your Bibles open in John chapter 14, if you're following along on your notes, it's printed right there for you. John 14, verse 16 and 17 says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another what? Say it like you mean it. An advocate who will never what? Leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into what? He leads into all truth. And the world cannot receive him, get this, because it isn't what? It's not even looking for him. And it doesn't recognize him. But you what? You know him because he lives what? with you now and later will be where? In you. Absolutely. So this advocate, the word that that's used there is, is most often used to describe the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, this word is two parts. It's para. Para means alongside of. If you think of a paralegal. A paralegal is somebody who does the work with a lawyer and doesn't get paid nearly what a lawyer gets paid. I don't know why. But that's a paralegal. And then the second word is kaleo, which means called. And so literally, the word means the one who is called alongside of the believer. It's the one who's called alongside of the believer. Parakletos is the word in Greek. Parakletos. And it means an intercessor. A counselor. An advocate is the word translated in this translation. Or comforter and helper. This is God himself in spirit form with you and in you, alive in you, alive in us. That's what it is. So we're going to look at this advocate and I want to talk about three things that the advocate does for us as believers with the spirit of God inside of us. The first thing is this, the advocate was sent to counsel us, was sent to counsel us. 
And here's how it goes. Ready? In John 16, verse 13, at the very beginning, it says this. When the spirit of what? When the spirit of truth comes, he will, what will he do? He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. I am going to make a statement now. This is what I believe. I'm not claiming it as gospel truth, but I believe we are witnessing the death of truth right now. I think we're witnessing the death of truth right now. Um, There was a time when truth was mostly agreed upon by people. We agreed things were true. We agreed things were false. We agreed things were right. We agreed things were wrong. That doesn't mean there wasn't any sin. People still sinned, and, and but they knew, but we all knew right and wrong and truth. And then we entered this time of relative truth, which is I've got my truth and you've got your truth. Like, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. Like, you can believe what you want and I'll believe what I want, but my truth is still my truth. It's still truth. And the truth of the matter is is that that isn't really true, right? I have my truth and you have yours. Now, we have entered into this weird age of information, misinformation, disinformation. And I believe truth is dying. And here's why. You've got Photoshop. I can take any picture that you've taken and I can Photoshop it to make it look like something else happened there. You've got video clips. And now, man, the incredible technology that's out there can alter a video clip and make it look however you want. You can edit a video clip to make it look however you want. I don't have to be true. You can have a statement that you make and you say, this is truth. I can put out false information that is absolutely false and call it truth. And when it's proved wrong... People will, will say, oh, you're just one of those. You deny the truth. It's like, well, I have my studies about this. Oh, yeah, well, I have my studies about this. We don't even know what truth is anymore. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Truth still exists. I want to make sure we all understand that. Truth is truth, and it exists. And the Holy Spirit exists to reveal that truth to the believer. Now, he also counsels us in the way that we are to live, the way that we're to act and behave and, and in your life and even in your decisions, your path in life. It's that inner sense of God leading you, right? You just know what to do because you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you don't know what to do, you're in a circumstance, you're like, I don't know what to do in this situation, Steve. You start praying and you say, Holy Spirit, will you give me direction? Will you guide me in this? What am I supposed to do? And the Holy Spirit will guide you in truth. And you can hear his voice and you can trust his voice. Steve, what does this look like? Well, the best illustration I can come up with this week is um, in the NFL, I don't know why I moved from Christmas to football playoffs. That's what I do. By the way, I don't know if anybody else has caught this. We had a, there was a tragic event last Monday night. If you have not followed that at all, more Uh, prayers and gospel and God has come out of that than you could ever imagine. Guy on ESPN on NFL Live praying publicly for this guy during live telecast. And I was like, oh man, God, keep going, brother. In in the NFL, though, they have this, uh, if you are watching a football game, for the last, oh, it's probably been 20 years or so, inside of an NFL helmet, there are two guys on the field that have a radio inside their helmet. They actually have a speaker inside their helmet. In the offense, one on offense and one on defense. So normally on the offense, it's the quarterback. And normally on defense, it's either a linebacker or a safety. And basically, they wear this helmet with a speaker inside their helmet that the coach can talk to the player in their helmet. Now, every once in a while, you will see a quarterback or somebody doing this. They're literally got their hands over the ear holes in their helmet. And they're just trying to tune out the crowd noise so that they can hear what the coach is telling them. 
And they're listening for that coach's voice. Sometimes the crowd can be so deafening that you can't even hear the the voice in your helmet, right? Much less communicate it to the other people on your team. Now, here's the interesting thing. Those helmets, and by rule, the way the NFL operates, they don't have a microphone. It is just a speaker. It is one-way communication, the coach to the player. That's the only way it works. Having the Holy Spirit counsel you is a little bit like having a coach in your helmet. It's like having somebody who, when you're faced with a decision and you're wondering what to do next and, and what to say in a difficult conversation or, or should I take this job or, or what do I do with my kid who's acting out right now, listen to the speaker in your helmet. you got to listen to that speaker in your helmet. That's how the Spirit can guide you. Make this decision. Say this. Or maybe, shut up now. Uh, The Spirit will say, Steve, stop talking. Like, stop talking right now. Let let me work. Let this this play out the way it's supposed to. I I think we view the Holy Spirit like this, this Spirit that can make people shout or dance around or fall around or speak in tongues or whatever. You know what the Holy Spirit can also do? He can say, shut up. He can say, he can say, apologize like you know the spirit raises up inside of you you're like i'm supposed to apologize right now but i don't want to i'm too proud like you know that's what you're supposed to do in that moment or or maybe even before you condemn this person you ought to look in your own heart steve like that's what the voice is telling you like examine yourself right in isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 it says it this way your own ears will what Same spirit in the Old Testament as in the New. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. He's speaking, if you'll listen. But here's the thing. But you can refuse to listen. You can refuse to listen. The crowd noise, the noise of our culture, the people around you can be so deafening that you're having a hard time hearing and the quarterback can't even hear the coach. But beyond that, every once in a while, the quarterback can be like, well, that is a stupid play. I'm not going to do that. Right? And the quarterback calls an audible, right? And he pulls up and he says, Omaha, Omaha, pink flamingo, pink flamingo, blue steel, blue steel. And, and, and the coach is on the sidelines going, what the heck, man? I called the play in. Like, don't, don't you know? And, and the funny thing about it is the coach is just like, okay. okay. What, what? And, and the Holy Spirit is like that. You can refuse to listen to the Spirit. He doesn't control you like some robot. You can refuse to follow his counsel. The Holy Spirit doesn't control you. He will counsel you, but you have to listen and you have to receive his counsel. So that's the first thing. The second thing that the Holy Spirit is here to do is he was sent to convict us. He was sent to convict us. Um, let's, let's look at the next verse here, John 16, verses 5 through 8. It says, but now I, and this is Jesus talking again, Jesus says, I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is what? It's best for you that I what? That I go away. Because if I don't, the who? The advocate won't come. And if I do go away, 
then I will what? Send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. How many people think it would be nice to have Jesus around? Wouldn't it be nice to have Jesus around? Like Jesus just hanging out at your house or Jesus spending time with you. You got a question about something theological? You ask Jesus, hey Jesus, you know, he's right over there. Just ask Jesus, right? Not sure what you would do. You look down at your WWJD bracelet. Instead you go, hey Jesus, what would you do right now? Right? Like, like wouldn't it be nice to have Jesus around? I'd like to have Jesus around. We had this men's ministry breakfast uh, yesterday, and it overflowed with people. We had to add more tables and chairs. And so uh, Steve Plath, who does our men's ministry, immediately said to all the guys, hey, you guys, there's more than we thought we're going to be here. Go easy on the bacon. And they went easy on the bacon, but you know what they didn't go easy on? The eggs. The eggs were gone. There was like 30 people still in line, and there was no eggs. Wouldn't it be nice to have Jesus around at that moment? Hey, Jesus, could you uh, go back in the kitchen and do that water and the wine thing or, or the loaves and the fishes? Like Jesus is cracking three eggs, and he's whisking it, and the eggs are flopping up, and he's got a whole bin of eggs, and we feed everybody. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I'd love to have Jesus around. But Jesus is basically saying, um, it's better that I go away. You are better off with the Holy Spirit than even with me in person. And when he comes, this Holy Spirit, he says, is going to convict you of your sin. Listen, some of you right now, you're sitting in here today, and there is something in your life right now that is not honoring God. And you know what it is right now. There are things that you know you shouldn't be doing in your life. And I haven't even said what it is, but you know it. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it will convict you of that stuff. The Holy Spirit is right here, right now, in this room, in me, in you, convicting you of your sin, convicting me of my sin. I know what my sin is. I don't want to talk about it, but I know what it is. And you know what yours is. And he will convict you. Some of you maybe don't, you're here today, you don't even know God. And, and maybe you're here and you're just checking it out, this faith thing, or you're watching online, you're, you're trying to figure out who is this God guy, and you are being drawn towards God right now. Let me tell you something, whenever we gather, where two or three are gathered, the Spirit is with us. And the Spirit is drawing you right now. You feel this need for God, and you're not sure where it's coming from. That is the Spirit of God in us and around us and among us in this place right now. You feel him drawing you towards that. And he is here when we gather, and, and, and he is speaking, even you, calling you. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, it says it this way. You what? In the Old Testament, this says, it gets said over and over. You stubborn, stiff-necked idiots. You are heathen at heart, and you are what? Deaf to the truth. Must you forever, what? Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and guess what? So do you. So get this. You can be convicted of your sin, but you can resist the truth. You can resist it. You can be convicted of your sin today and you can say, Steve, I know what you're talking about and the Spirit is saying that, but I don't care. I like my sin. Um, I'm, I'm not going to stop doing that, so I don't know why we're kidding each other. 
You can resist the Spirit even when He's speaking to you personally. And you know God's Spirit is prompting you to do something, but you have an excuse. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You have an excuse? And you know it's just an excuse. Sometimes God will prompt us to reach out to somebody. Oh man, God brought so-and-so to my heart and my mind. I know I should reach out to them. I should call them, but oh man, look how late it is right now, right? Or, or God prompts you to be generous in something. You're like, I know I'm supposed to be generous with this thing, but, but this month's really tight. Maybe it'll be next month, God. Or, or God is prompting you maybe to step out in faith and to do something bold, to start something new or go on a mission trip somewhere. And you're like, but who will watch the cat? Right? We all have these excuses. And if you resist him long enough, if you resist the Holy Spirit Long enough, he won't force his way into your life. You can resist him. Here's the third thing, and I hope this is good for some of you today who desperately need this. The Holy Spirit also was sent to comfort us. The advocate was sent to comfort us. In John 14, verse 16, in the King James Version, it says this. It says, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another what? Comforter. In the King James, they transfer a translated comforter. That he may abide with you, how long? Forever. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Somebody in here right now needs to hear this. You are going through something incredibly difficult. And you will sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. And even though you are hurting, you can sense his presence and his comfort. And that peace goes beyond all human understanding. I had a conversation this week with somebody so hard, and I could sense the pain, and in my heart, I I mean, they were just going through something extremely difficult. And I could sense the pain, and I felt the Spirit saying, and I said, this is the most painful thing you've ever dealt with in your life, isn't it? And without skipping a beat, they said, yeah, absolutely. And I remember saying to the Holy Spirit, in that moment, in the quietness of my heart, I said, oh, Spirit. My heart was breaking, and I was just like, oh, Spirit, you have got to overwhelm them with your presence and your peace and your love right now and I've been praying that for the last few days you know that moment when you are hurting and you're broken and you have nothing left you got no words you got no answers you got no solution and you are just numb and all you can think is this I wish so-and-so was here. Maybe it's your mom or, or, or maybe it's a, a sibling or maybe it's your dad or, or maybe it's just that friend. You know that friend that will always be there for you. And you, all you can think is I just want to bury my head in their chest and get that hug that lasts an uncomfortably long time. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever have somebody who when you hug them and you know the hug should be over and they continue to just stay there and they bury their head in your chest and they begin to cry and heave and, event- and you just hold them. And eventually they 
step back and your chest is wet and got snot on it or whatever, and you're like, yeah, it's okay. Listen to the way the message paraphrase says this. It says it this way. I will talk to the Father and he will provide you what? Another friend so that you will always have someone with you. That word, advocate, parakletos, which means intercessor, consoler, advocate, comforter, helper. What do all those things sound like? Sounds like your best friend, doesn't it? That's what your best friend does for you. They, they intercess for you. They console you. They advocate for you. They comfort you. They help you. That's your best friend. I wish so-and-so were here. You will hear the voice of a true friend if you will let the Spirit minister to you in that moment when you need his comfort. In that moment, the Spirit is saying things like, I am right here. I'm right here. Right now. I am not going anywhere. That is not true, what they said about you. That's a lie. And you know it's a lie. And I'm proud of you. And I love you. And you're not alone. And you you don't have to be afraid. Let me help you. It's okay. Keep going. I will go with you. You are so valuable to me. See, the Holy Spirit is more than just some feeling during worship. It's the Spirit of the living God living inside of you as your helper and your counselor and your comforter. And he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you and you never ever have to do this alone. You don't have to do it alone. He is always there for you. See, for the believer, we're told that he will never leave you and never forsake you. He will abide with you forever, and you will always have someone with you. But get this, like everything else, but you can feel alone. You can push the Spirit away in that moment when you need him the most, and you can sink into aloneness and and feel isolated. We do this all the time with real people in our lives. You ever have that moment where you're at crisis and deep pain and your friend finds out and calls you and says, I'm coming right over, and you say something like, no, you don't need to come over, it's okay. Why would you say that? Like, and then you end up sitting on the couch feeling miserable, you know, and feeling like you're completely isolated and alone. The Holy Spirit is the same way. He's saying, I'm right here for you. You can push me away if you want, but you're gonna feel isolated and alone. And you don't need that. You don't have to have that. John 14, 26 through 27 sort of wraps up that passage like this. It says, but when the Father sends the who? Advocate is my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. And get this. This is the part I'm talking about with that comfort. And I am leaving with you a gift. What is it? Peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give is a gift. The world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Lean into the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Which leads me to... So what, Steve? What do I do with this? How do I make sense of this? Well, let me give you a little story that hopefully illustrates this Holy Spirit thing. Young boy is out and he's flying a kite. 
And he, he runs this kite up into the, into the wind and it starts to take off. And it's a windy day. It's a very windy day. And, and as he continues to let out the string, the kite just keeps climbing higher and higher and higher until it, until it goes through the clouds and, and it's up above the cloud cover. And, and he's standing there on the street and he's holding the string and the, and the kite is way up beyond what anyone can see. And a man walks down the street and as the man walks down the street, he sees this young boy and he says, well, sees the string, but he can't see the kite. And he says, hey, how do you even know you have a kite up there? And the young boy says, because I can feel it. I can feel it up there. It's moving around in the wind. I know it's up there. And here's the thing, right? Although you can't see the Holy Spirit, nobody can see the Spirit of God, you should be able to sense when He's at work and when He's alive in your life and He's changing us and molding us, shaping us into the image of Christ. The point of this entire year is the Advocate is alive in us. He's alive in us. You should be able to see and feel and understand the work of the Spirit in your own life. In Romans chapter 8, we see it expressed this way. It says the what? The Spirit of God, that Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit, what, where does it live? It lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this what? That same Spirit living within you. Now, I know for some of you, especially if you haven't been exposed to this, this all sounds a little spooky and supernatural and weird. It is. It is. I don't know how else to say that except it is. God living in you, a voice in your head instructing you, that sounds a little bit like mental illness, Steve. Right? Uh, uh, an, an internal sense of right and wrong. I got my truth and you got your truth and who says what is truth, truth. Yeah, yeah, says who what's right and wrong? Peace during a tragedy? Well, it just sounds like you're in denial. You're just in denial. Is this a voice you can trust, the Holy Spirit, in your, in your heart and in your head? So here's the question that I sort of boiled this all the way to. So how do you know if the Holy Spirit is really speaking to you? How do you know if the Spirit is speaking to you, or if this is just my own will, my own desires, my own wants, my own needs, right? When, some, when, a, when a thought or an idea or a voice comes into your head as a believer, let me say this, as a believer, there are only two sources to that. It's either you or the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's you or the Holy Spirit. And here's how you tell the difference. At least for me, it's pretty simple. If it benefits me, this idea and thought, I assume it's not the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean I can't do things for myself, take care of business and, and all that other kind of stuff. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit didn't prompt that is what I'm thinking. If it benefits somebody else, I assume it is the Holy Spirit. It's asking me to live outside of myself and to take care of my brother and love, love, uh, be a good Samaritan and love my enemy. Like, I assume that is the Holy Spirit prompting me to take care of someone else. If it goes against Scripture, it is not the Holy Spirit. I want to say that super clear. If it goes against Scripture, it is not the Holy Spirit. When somebody comes to me and says, you know what, I think people play the God card. They play the God card like a trump card all the time. And they'll go, well, you know what God's telling me to do? And I'm like, what? You know? Because they'll say, you know what God's telling me to do? God's telling me to, I should leave my wife. And I'm like, God ain't telling you to do that. That is wrong. 
That you are wrong. That is not the Spirit of God talking to you about that. Like, the Spirit of God lines up with God's Word. If it lines up with the Scriptures, I assume it is the Holy Spirit. When immediately I have a thought like, oh, I should do this, and then a verse pops into my head that, if, that affirms that, like, I should be generous, or I should, oh, I know there's a verse about that. I assume, oh, that's God saying. Here's the thing. If I am wrong, if I am wrong, Right? If it lines up with Scripture and it serves someone else and it wasn't the Holy Spirit, you want to know the worst thing that happened? I did a good deed. I was generous. Good for me. But if it was from God and it's prompting me to be generous or to do something or to reach out or to make a difference in somebody's life and it's infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, look out. Like, look out at what God can do in those moments and in those circumstances. It unlocks the power of God in us. So the real question and the only question, the only so what question that you're going to hear today is this. When you hear God speaking to you, will will you respond? Will you move? Will you act? Will you speak? Will you shut up? Will you apologize? How will you respond when God's spirit is prompting you? Let me pray for us today. God, as we leave here today, I am so aware of your spirit alive in us, working in me and working on me. God, alive in my friends here, some today who who need your counsel, they're facing a situation where they need to hear your voice. God, would you speak clearly to them? Father God, there's, there's some here who are here today and are feeling very convicted. They know the sin that's in their heart and in their life and they need to move and do something about that sin. Father God, would you move in their hearts and move them to action? And God, for my friends that are here today that desperately need your comfort, God, would you pour out your presence? Would you pour out your peace? Would you pour out your spirit, that, that friend that is waiting for us and, and, and comforting us? And even healing us from the inside out, God, would you give your spirit to my friends who need you today? But God, as we as a church move forward, may we not move ahead of you. May we not lag behind you. May we rely on your spirit in everything we do. That we don't have to have church be a thing we do or you be a person that we study in Jesus or or even Father God, but your spirit we take with us everywhere we go, everything we do. And we can rely on you every day. Thank you for the promise you will never leave us and forsake us. In your son Jesus' name, amen.